the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. God is good. Woo, God is good. If Zachary Bigley was here, you know what he would say right now? God is good. <laughs> what did you say? He ain't mad at you? He would say, God loves you. God ain't mad at you. And God has a plan for your life. But you know what? Zachary Bigley ain't... But, but, the, but the words remain true even though Zachary ain't here. The reason he preaches that is because there's people that don't get that. And y'all ain't going to believe me, but there's people here right here tonight that may not believe or understand one part of that. I mean, they may get to them, but they might miss, be missing one. God loves you. God's not mad at you. And God has a plan for your life. When I was growing up, before I knew Jesus, I thought I knew Jesus. I didn't. I had a religious relationship with him i remember i would pitch in baseball and i remember in junior high i was a pitcher and I, I took it real serious you know i would get there early before the rest of the team and i'd put my long stockings on and them baseball cleats and everything and i'd get out there and i had a i had a, a string of rosary beads and i would say my hell marys and my fathers all the way around that thing because i because i wanted to get close to god because i had a relationship with jesus no, because I, it was like magic beans to me. It was like a ritual. It was like, God, I'm going to say this so you'll make me pitch good. And so I said them. And then when I'd get on that mound, I'd, I'd get my cleat and I'd go behind the rubber and I'd scratch me across. And that seems religious. That seems like, hey, that guy's a Christian. But I wasn't. It was religious mojos or something. I don't know. But there ain't no such a thing. You can, do all, you can say all the prayers you want, but if you have no personal relationship with Jesus and you're, not, you're, you're just throwing, you're wasting your breath. And so I didn't, understand, I didn't understand God's love. I thought it was a bargaining process with God all the time. I thought to myself, I'll do this. I'll say these prayers, God, if you'll help me throw strikes. And it got worse than that. I'd say, God, if you let me get, a, if you let me do this sin, then I'll say so many prayers to to make up for it. And it just, you see, where are you going with that? Maybe somebody in here still does those sort of things. And I'm telling you, you don't have to bargain with God. God loves you. You don't bargain with people you love. I don't have to go to my wife and say, you know, I'll give you $15, you give me a kiss. <laughs> she would do it for five. <laughs> if I brush my teeth first, you know. <laughs> I 
but he loves us. <laughs> but then even after I got saved, and I always tell the story, I got saved, saved. Man, I, w I lived 32 years in darkness and I was, I was good at sinning. But I was reaping all the rewards of sin. And life was so heavy and so unworth living, it seemed like. And I was at the end of me. And that's where most of us have to come before we finally are smart enough to look up for help, you know. But I came to the end of me, and I found Jesus, and I got saved, saved. And I say saved, saved, because some people, they put a toe in, said, I'll go say that prayer, but I'm going to watch, I'm going to sit back in church and watch for a little. No, I was like, I was shouting and raising my hands, tears as a grown man, never cried, all these things. It, it, it meant something to me. I mean, I, I, it says, he who is forgiven much loves much. Well, I was loving like crazy. I was so excited about Jesus. And I loved him so much. And I always felt like I had a plan or a purpose in my life. You know, I was growing up. Some, some of you have been taught from little kids, you know, that you have a purpose. And I, I always knew I had a purpose. I was always shooting for the moon. You know, I always wanted to do stuff. But I never understood love until I, until I finally recognized what Jesus was doing there on that cross. And when, that, when I got it, I got it. But the thing about it is, me personally, from that point on, having still residue of my old bargaining with God ways and not understanding the grace and the mercy of God, I still felt like God was mad at me all the time. Now, I may be hitting somebody in here. Maybe you have asked Jesus to be the Lord of your life. And you know He loves you. And you may even know He has a plan for your, your life. But you feel like because you still make mistakes. In fact, it intensified once I got saved. that I felt like He was mad at me more. Because now I should know better. Now I, I know what He did for me. And now it's terrible that I would do this. And I would sin. And I felt that he was mad at me all the time. And it became so oppressive that my life as a Christian was worse than my life as unsaved. Because I was feeling like God was mad at me. And I, and I, hasn't, I hadn't learned his character yet. And my early days as a Christian were filled with condemnation. And somebody shared that scripture in Romans 8.1. It says, there is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus who follow after the Spirit. God's not mad at me. Do you know it says in 2 Corinthians 5, probably around verse 19, that he who knew no sin became sin for us, that we may, might be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And he's not up there holding our sins against us. Can you put that up there? 2 Corinthians 5. Not imputing their trespasses unto them. That means you have done wrong, but he's not counting it against you. Why? Because you're just so good? Because you're mostly good and he just gives you slack and he grades on a curve? 
No. <laughs> no. Because he who knew no sin, Jesus, became sin for us. And when he became sin, the wrath of God was poured out on him for all the sins of mankind once and for all. For all time, the sin that you will commit tomorrow was paid for on the cross. Jesus endured the wrath of God for you. And sin is done away with. When he said it is finished, it is finished. You're saying, but I still sin. Well, then that's why he gave us 1 John 1, 9. If you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. Well, well, why are people still going to hell? Because they don't receive forgiveness that's been paid for. They choose not to receive the forgiveness. They choose rather that I'm a good enough person. I'll earn my way there. And God's saying, you can't earn your way and trust in me at the same time. Because your faith must be in the cross. When you got saved, you said Jesus was Lord. You believed that he was raised from the dead. And your eyes must be on the cross. You're saved by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's, it's not of works lest any man should boast. It's a gift of God. And if you try to receive it any other way, it doesn't work. You don't say, well... You know, Jesus forgives me and I'm a good person. No, you're just simply either saved by grace or you're not. If, if your confession of why you should get into heaven has the word I in it, other than I gave my heart to Jesus, but if it has anything to do with you, you need to rethink that. Because if there was anything that you could do to earn heaven, Jesus wouldn't have had to die on that cross for you. Because Jesus said in the garden, if there be any other way. But nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. God's not mad at you. The wrath has been settled. He was angry at sin. And the wages of sin is death. But Jesus died and settled things. He wiped the slate clean. He redeemed you. There was a debt against you, but he redeemed it. He paid it. And so it was like a pardon. We were all in, in sin prison. And he wrote a pardon with his own blood and signed it and gave it to us. And, and, he, and he's handing it to you tonight, you know. And, and you're like, no, I don't need that. I'm not sure about that religious stuff. I don't know. And we, we reject so great a salvation. And the Bible says we do that because we would rather stay in darkness. Because they love darkness rather than light. You like your sin too much to give it up. You're not willing to repent and turn from it and turn to Jesus. You'd rather face the darkness than face the light. Not anybody in here, of course. But since everybody in here hopefully has turned to the light. Where does that leave sin? Your sins are forgiven. They're cast as far as the east is from the west. And so you're thinking God's mad at you all the time. But he's not. God's not mad at you. So what do we do with this? 
You either think you don't understand God's love. Maybe you didn't have a father that loved you. A lot of times we impute our father's trespasses onto our father in heaven, and we see him a certain way. I didn't have a father. I didn't understand fathers. I didn't understand that he loved me. And it was some time after that when I stopped beating myself up over sin and when I realized that his mercy would flood into me and show me that I'm forgiven and that it's going to be okay. And he's, he's a, a father that helps pick you back up when, when you fall. And that he's for you and not against you. That's when I begin to understand his love even greater. That even though he paid the penalty and I received it, but then I sinned again, he would still forgive me when I would confess my sins. And he still would not want to hold it against me. He's not up there wanting to hold things against you. He's wanting you to realize the, the immensity of his love so that you'll never want to sin again. So that you'll never turn to darkness again. That you'll love the light so much that you'll live there. And you'll be the light. And you'll shine the light. And you'll be lighthouses in this world for other people who are struggling. And that's where you discover he has a plan for your life. I know I'm not doing as good as Zachary Bigley. I'm sorry. But God loves you. He's not mad at you. And he has a plan for your life. Some of you are, have a problem with that plan thing. I don't know. I do nothing. You see yourself... In such a way, because maybe you've compared yourself to others all these years. You say, well, they, they sing real good, and, and he preaches, and he knows the Word better than I do. And we're always comparing to somebody else, and then we begin to feel less than. It's like God gave everybody else something. I, I'm different. I don't look as good as so-and-so. I don't have the money that they have. And we begin... To look down on ourselves and like God has a plan for other people, but he doesn't have a plan for me. And that could not be further from the truth. In fact, if you feel that you, for somehow you got slighted in life, especially according to the world standard, guess what? God loves to use the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. God chooses you. It's not about your ability. It's about your availability. That's all God wants is you to say, here I am, use me. I don't know what you can do with me, God. And you're wah, 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 and God's going to rock the world because of you. Moses says, I, I stutter, I, I can't, can't talk good. You, use somebody else. God's like, Moses, I'm fixing to make you into the world's greatest leader. They said, they couldn't use David, he's too young, he's... He's little. How's he going to fight the giant? You just give God a rock and see what happens. <laughs> There's nobody that God doesn't have a plan. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, I know the plans that I have for you. They're to give you hope and a future to prosper you. He knit you together in your mother's womb. Look at Psalms 139. Read that whole book. How, how wonderfully complex you've been made. Ephesians 2.10 says you are God's masterpiece. You are unique for a reason. You have special gifts. You may not have discovered them yet because you're too busy looking at other people's gifts, but you have special gifts. 
And if you'll seek God, He will reveal His plan for your life. And you'll say, I never knew. But what does it take to receive God's love, to receive God's forgiveness, and to receive God's plan? It takes faith. You've got to believe that He is. That His love is real. And that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. You got to believe. And you say, well, I can't believe, but I don't believe he has a plan for me. I don't believe he loves me. You don't know all the sin I've done. You don't know how worthless I am. You know, because you're looking at yourself. He didn't ask you to have faith in yourself. He said, have faith in me. He never asked you to look at yourself. He did. He says, don't think more highly of yourself than you ought. Because some people are on the other side of the ditch. (laughs) Oh, I'm the only one God has a plan for. You know, I'm God's favorite. He loves me more than everybody else. Oh, he wouldn't get mad at me. I'm perfect. Well, then, you know, you got other issues. You're dealing with pride. But either way, do you think you're the, the first person that's ever sinned? Do you, think, do you think that you're the first person who ever lived the first half of their life not knowing him and not going in the right direction? Do you think you're the first person to ever feel like, man, I'm this old and I never even, I haven't even entered into the first phase of God's plan for me? I don't know, I still, I don't know what that guy's talking about. Do you think you're the first person sitting out there clueless that's ever heard God loves you? You're not. Do you think God is just, oh, he's up there pacing. I mean, I love all of those guys, but there's no way I could love her. Oh, my goodness. this, This one has just made me upset. That's the way we feel about ourselves. Like, God can love everybody else, but He can't love me. It's not true. I want you to know that sin is a disease. I'm not trying to write it off and say, sin is sin. <laughs> sin is sin. Don't, I don't want anybody quoting me saying I've come up with a new doctrine. But I'm just telling you, sin is worse than we have imagined. We take it lightly. Even as Christians, we say, well, I can indulge in a little sin and I'll be okay. And I'll step back from it. And I'll just keep going up to the edge, but I just won't fall over into it. And we, you know, we play with sin. Let me just tell you, this world is jacked up. This world is messed up and sin is the cause of all of it. You got people wanting to kill babies once they get outside the womb. And you say, how could that possibly happen? How could a human being think that way? Sin. Sin infected. Sin has infected their minds. We, the heart of man is deceitful. It's wicked. 
Without Jesus, there's no hope for us. And you say, some of you say, well, I'm, I was doing good. You know, I'm, I, got, I got this. I'm under control. But sin is never satisfied. You give sin an inch, it's going to take a, a foot. You give sin a foot, it's going to take a yard. You give sin a yard, it's going to take your whole house. Are you listening? And you think, well, how could they think that way? Or, or how could that man become a serial killer? How could he get to that place? He's worse than everybody else. There go you, but by the grace of God. If you'd have looked at the same pornography he looked at that hooked him into the deeper pornography, that led him to the child pornography, that led him to the, to the acting these things out, the hook, the hook, the hook, the sin, the sin, the sin, until he became a serial, you would have done the same thing. Lest the grace of God until your eyes were opened. Sin is infecting us all. And look, we got a choice every day. We can wake up and we can walk in the same old flesh that we had, that we live in before we met Jesus, or we can walk in the spirit that God gave us to walk in. Choose this day whom you're going to serve. The carnality of our old ways, which leads to death, or the Spirit of God that lives in us that gives us life and peace. <clears throat> and if you know that God loves you, and you know that He understands that we are infected, He understands where we're coming from, He knows that we're, we're, we're but dust. He knows our frame. But he loved us anyway. Turn to Romans chapter 5 verse 8. Do y'all want to quit on time? Or do y'all want to go a little longer since we played music and since Zachary was supposed to be here? Can I get a little Zachary time? I have a little Zachary time? I'll try, I'll try to cut it off here in just a minute when I find a good place. We'll get out of here probably... 4, 11 o'clock. Romans 5, 8. But God showed His great love for us. What kind of love? For who? Does God love us? Does John three sixteen says, For God so loved the world? Which one of us ain't a part of the world? But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Let me ask you something. If he did that and he took away sin, and sin has been dealt with, and he, he did that while we were sinners, he didn't wait for us to get right and get our heart and attitude right. If he did that while we were sinners, is he still mad at us about sin? Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying God doesn't get upset when we sin. I'm not saying that. I'm just talking about collectively. I'm talking about positionally. Sin is dealt with if we put our hope in Christ. But God showed, God commended his love towards us in this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. 
He did it while we were still sinners. And so sin is done. Turn to Philippians chapter 3. Where did my Philippians go? Philippians 3.13 I didn't have time to put a message together tonight so I decided to wing it. I jotted just a few scriptures down that came to mind. And Paul says, Now, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, meaning I hadn't reached perfection. That makes me feel a little better that the Apostle Paul could say honestly that he hadn't reached perfection and he wrote about half of the New Testament. If God could use somebody who admitted that they had not reached perfection to write the New Testament, do you think God could use you? You think he has a plan? No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past. See, that's what's so hard for some of us. When you gave your heart to Jesus... Old things were passed away. Behold, all things became new. Didn't it? Everything became new. It should have. You you should have begun to see yourself now as not an old sinner, but a sinner saved by grace, a child of God. Yes, I am. You should see yourself differently. See, God's trying to change our mind. The battle is in your mind for what you believe. Do you believe that God's grace can raise you up into a new life? The newness of life. But I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. So there's a mark. And the King James says, I press on towards the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I press on. Why? Because God has a plan. See, that, that's why some of us are stuck thinking God's mad. Some of us are stuck not understanding God's love because we don't understand He has a plan. And when you don't have a plan and you have no purpose in your life, you sit around and you just think stupid stuff. But if you would be busy about God's business, you would be busy about seeing God's love in action. You'd be busy about seeing that He's not mad because you ain't giving Him no reason to be mad. If you would be about God's business, be about God's plan, know He has a plan for you. And you press on towards the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. He's calling you upward. And He's going to give you one mark at a time. What's my mark? I don't know. I'm not you. Ask God, what do I do next? He'll show you next and that'll be your mark. And God, See, God's not going to probably give you the end of what you're going to do. Maybe if you can handle it. But most of us, we walk this thing out one day at a time. Look here. I ain't have no message tonight. I didn't know he, Zachary Bigley wasn't coming. I was real excited about not preaching tonight. But I have learned to trust him. And so we're going to take 
a step. And you take a step and he takes a step and y'all just step together and you get in step together and you march life out. And you don't have to worry about where you're going. When you're walking with Jesus, you know it's right. See, we worry about so many things, what we should wear and what we should eat and what we should say. The Bible says don't worry what you say. The Holy Spirit will give you the words in that self-same hour. And is is, is he doing it for me right now? Y'all think I'm smart enough just to hop up here and make up a message? No. If I thought I was getting up here in my strength, I would be shaking in my boots and I'd be, I'd be saying, well, let's have a testimony night. <laughs> but I have walked it out with Jesus enough times that I begin to trust him. Brother Nicholas does the same thing just about every time he preaches. That's his style. He don't even want to hear from, he don't write things down. He wants to, he wants to flow in the Holy Ghost. And he will do it for you. That person that you're scared to talk to, that person you're scared to witness to, you're saying, I don't know what to say, don't matter. The Holy Spirit shall give you the words that you shall say in that self-same hour. That's a scripture. I can't remember where it's at. Well, I don't want to spend the brain energy that it would take to recall it right now. But that's trust. You begin to lean on God. And sometimes he just carries you through the hard times. And you just learn, say, hey, you got this, God. There was a guy at the pool of Bethesda. He had been laying on a mat, sick, crippled up, couldn't walk for 38 years. And Jesus comes by and he says, do you want to be healed? And the guy says, yeah, but I can't get in the pool because, because somebody always gets in there in front of me when the angel stirs the water and when the healing's going on, I can't get there first. And somebody, I have nobody to put me in the pool. He's making up excuses about some false rosary bead thing he was doing, trying to get in the water. Now, did Jesus say, oh, you got your theology wrong. I'm not messing with you next. Or did he say, this guy's not worth saving anyway. He's been here 38 years all crooked up. Did Jesus say any of those things? No, Jesus loved him. When people walked by him for 38 years, Jesus stopped. There's nobody Jesus won't stop for. And so Jesus tells him to pick up his mat and walk. And he does. And he picks up his mat. And the religious folks are mad because he did it on the Sabbath day. What are you carrying your mat for? This is a Sabbath day. They want to stone the guy for being healed. And so they said, who told you to pick up your mat? And Jesus, the crowds was on him and everything. He had done walked off. He said, I don't know who it was. I don't know who the guy was. Well, later on that day, the guy, Jesus sees the guy walking and he goes up to him and he tells him, I, I'm paraphrasing, you know, I'm, I'm glad to see you walking, you know. I don't know what he says. But he says, go and sin no more, lest something worse come upon you. Okay, now listen to that. The reason the dude had been cricked up for 38 years is because of sin. Was Jesus mad at him because he was infected with sin? No, he healed him of it. And he te- he's got a plan for you. When you've been wrapped up in sin for 38 years, your first plan is to learn to get unwrap yourself. 
And he says, go and sin no more, lest something had happened again. You, you know, you kick the one demon out, and if you don't do something positive and ask the Holy Spirit to come in, seven more demons are coming back. And it's going to be worse. And so Jesus gives him a plan. Here's your plan. Stop sinning. And what does the dude do? Does he get out on his knees and worship God? Thank you, Jesus. You love me? You got a plan for my life? You're not mad at me about my sin? Does he worship Jesus? No. He goes to the Jewish leaders and says, I know who the dude was that healed me now. It was Jesus. And rats on Jesus. Are you kidding? But how do some of us respond to God's grace? How have we responded in the past? I remember people told me about Jesus before, but I was like, I don't care. How should we respond? There was another guy. He had so many demons Jesus asked him what his name was. He said, legion, because there's a legion of demons in me. He was cutting himself and howling in the graveyard, and nobody could control him. They put shackles on him, and he'd bust the shackles and cut himself with stones, just howling at the moon like a maniac. Nobody had time for that. I wouldn't have had time for that. Would you? Just... Jesus came all across the lake for this man. You read it for yourself. Jesus came across the lake for this man. Well, I think it was when he walked on the water to get there. Came across the lake for this demonic man. And I know he did it just for him because after he healed him, he went back across the lake to back where he was before and continued preaching. He came across the lake. And this man is eat up with demons. And he sets him free. Long story, he cast the demons into some pigs and stuff. And it says, when the people of the town came and they saw this man in his right mind, clothed finally, <laughs> in his right mind, sitting at the feet of Jesus. Where was he at? At the feet of Jesus. He wasn't going off ratting and telling who did it. He was at the feet of Jesus. That's how you respond. That's how you respond to all that you've been forgiven. And all the plans that God has for you. You know what he said? He said, Jesus, can I go with you? He was ready to embark on God's plan for his life. And God says, no, you can't go with me, but I want you to go back to Decapolis and tell people what great things God has done for you. Decapolis means the ten towns. De dec means, deco or whatever means ten Opolis, I guess, means like a metropolis or like cities or whatever. Ten towns. And so this man gets up fresh out of the graveyard. Are you listening, Angie? <laughs> oh, you, you of little faith wishing Zachary Bigley was here? Listen. <laughs> he got up out of the graveyard. Which one of us didn't get up out of the graveyard? All of us were dead in our sins and trespasses. And this man responded by sitting at the feet of Jesus saying, what do you want me to do? 
Not go and tell somebody that was the guy getting Jesus in trouble. Or what about the rich young ruler? Jesus says, sell all you have and come follow me. And it says Jesus looked at him and loved him. This guy went away sad. He walked away from a personal invitation to walk with Jesus because he chose his earthly riches. But I want you to know, it says Jesus looked at him and loved him. Jesus loves you. He's not mad at you. And if there is, if there is sin separating you from, from your relationship with God, and, and it's called, because it, it, it taints your faith, it makes it almost impossible for you to, to believe God for anything when you know that you're, you're not doing right. 1 John 1 9, confess your sins. Trust in that scripture, trust in the word of God, put it under the blood. Keep it under the blood. Walk in the Spirit as He is in the light. Walk in this newness of life so that there's nothing causing you any separation. Nothing causing your Christian witness to be tainted. He loves you. He's not mad at you. He has a plan. And He's holding out His hand and saying, will you walk with me? How are you going to respond? Is there something that's keeping you from going whole hog for Jesus? Walking with Him every day like the rich young ruler could have? Is it the riches of this world? That you love the praises of men more than the praises of God like that guy that was at the pool and went and told the, the religious leaders so he could get praises from men instead of praises from God? Do you not know how to be loved? Some of you, have, your life has been rough. And you've been hurt time and time again. And it's hard for you to believe anybody could love you like this. And it seems like too good to be true. And it is too good. But it is true. No matter what graveyard you've been living in, God has a plan for your life. I want to be like the leper who came back and gave God thanks. Jesus said, where are the other nine? Where are the other nine? I want to give Him thanks. Can we give Him some thanks tonight? Thanks for listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.